we are back. We are back. Welcome everyone to Match Point Number Nine, a tennis bets podcast. I'm one of two co-hosts here, David EJ Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9 Tennis on X and all the socials. You can find our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts these days. Please do subscribe. If you're a first-time listener, chance starts how you found us. If you're a returning listener, a returning champion, welcome back. I'm based in California, and I'm tossing it to my man in Canada, Mr. John Reed. You can find him at Jared Tweets Tennis. He does betting content for his own brand, Tidbits Tennis. He writes for the Action Network betting expert, Hammer HQ. He does tennis form recaps. John, welcome in, and happy hockey season. Yeah, it's, you know, Canadian Thanksgiving just passed. We feast up on turkey and then right into the NHL season. It's a lovely time of the year, and it's not annoyingly hot. We get to have nice, cool temperatures. Some people don't like it. I don't like them. I say make it nice and cold. Can be hockey. Can be turkey. October is a great time of year. We're we're dealing with our last heat wave here in Los Angeles, so uh, we got that going for us. Uh, no cooler temperatures quite yet. Usually, one last uh, blast of sun before we we dip down, which we are experiencing. I, I don't now. think you guys get. Uh, I don't think you guys get the cool temperatures I'm talking about. I don't mean like, oh, you know. A nice 60 degree. I mean, like, no, make it like 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Like, get it cold. That's where I'm at, at where, where I'm most comfortable. I want to have like a nice zip-up jacket on while everyone's got a sweater and a winter jacket and a toque, or I guess you call them uh uh beanies or whatever the hats that come over your ears with little palm thing on top are called. We call them toques. Uh, I know that's a Canadian thing, but that's where I like it. I mean, I like it cold, not not like oh Los Angeles in December. <laughs> no, 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 that's still too hot. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we're running low on time today. Normally, we go over the what did we win, what did we learn, and uh, we did a little bit more learning than we care for last <laughs> pod, and we're not shirking uh, that accountability. But uh, we're low on time, so we gotta hop right to it and get into these quarterfinal matches in Shanghai. Hubert, Hubie Hercash, Ubi. Is minus two and a half on the game spread. It's a juice two and a half, so probably a three out there. Uh, minus two forty four in the money line. Fabian Marichon, the darling of I mentioned he was a darling at clay season. Let's extend it to the full calendar year at this point. Uh, one of the darlings of twenty twenty three, cashing huge tickets left and right. Well, he's plus two hundred four as the dog here. The tolls at twenty three and a half. Fabian Marichon is a drop shot master, John. I'll, I'll go. I'll go ahead and say that. I mean, this guy. That was is basically how he was able to uh, slay Rude uh, in the last match. Uh, well, for many points, anyway. Um, these guys have not met before. Now we had talked about having tickets on Hubie uh, for the quarter. Uh, in our preview episode. So if you listen to us, you have those in pocket. Would you hedge it all hedge it all here on Marishan? Totals of 23 here. I mean, I feel like why don't they just auto tick up the Hubie totals <laughs> to a square 24, 25? Uh, so certainly... They do sometimes. I know. Uh, I guess they're not respecting the Marishan serve here, but uh, certainly got to think the overs in play here. John, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I think, I mean, I would hedge for a couple of reasons. One, Hubert Hurkacz on a quick hard court. It's just, it's so hard for him to be that much better than some of these guys. And that's what this line implies. 
against Zhang. I mean, I had a Zhang plus 200 ticket that I was holding, lost it in a third set tiebreak. You know what? I, I, I usually get really annoyed with third set tiebreak losses on big underdogs. Losing a third set, 2-6, okay. Better player, you got a set out of it. The better player ended up taking it in the third set in, in dominant fashion. But when you pretty much nail a 50-50 contest, and it goes down to a third set tiebreak, which make no mistake, is a coin flip, maybe, maybe a 55-45 issue. And you lose it. It's like, oh, those ones sting because you know you had you were on the right track. And you actually have to be happy with that result because, again, it, it kind of it's a little bit results oriented, a little bit of confirmation bias, but the handicap is there. The process is there, even if that particular result wasn't. Same situation. I just don't think he's that much better than Fabian Marichon. I really don't. I mean, Marichon has a strong serve. He can play a bit of an aggressive game. He still has um, a decent forehand. You talked about the drop shots. I think QB's actually uh, deceivingly good at tracking down those drop shots. Like for a guy his size and for a guy who doesn't get credit for being a great mover. I mean, I've watched, I've always thought, why don't players drop shot? And then I, the players would start drop shotting me realize he's decent. He's got the wingspan to cover the next shot and he tracks him down. So Marishan's going to have to kind of work that out and adjust and see if that, that will or won't work. But again, a decent serve against you catch on a quick court. I just don't think there's any time you're going to have a big gulf between uh, those kinds of players. And you're seeing that again in the market where he is a huge favorite. I get it. The ranking, the pedigree, the master's titles in the past, Marishan's new, but it's not, this is not a game played or a match that's going to be played between, you know, the reputations of two guys. It's between the two guys on the court on that given day. And Hubie is just so rarely that much better than other players for me. That's why I'd hedge. Primarily because, one, I like Marishon. Two, uh, the value is there as well. I, I cannot stand hearing people be like, well, you can hedge easily here. Yeah, but if it's a, a terrible play and it's a terrible price, just let it ride. You've, you've got the right read on your on your futures. Just let it go. But in this spot, I do think that that there is some value in betting Marishon. So why not secure um, the profit and kind of exploit a, a poor price in market? Do you happen to have an anytime tiebreak price up there? Uh, let me check. It should be because this one was one decided, this matchup was decided yesterday, right? So I'm sure Bet365 has those uh, secondary markets up on this and the quarter match. The total tiebreaks in the match, minus 150 for over 0. 0.5. Um, not, not the most enticing price. Uh, but two tiebreaks in the match, I can get at plus 500. Ooh. Five to one. Yeah, plus 450. I've only got a plus 450, but. Uh, 0.1, 0.25 units on that one? Mm -hmm. Maybe so. Yeah, I mean, why not? I can still get this 23. I'm going to bet the over 23 right now. 23 and a half. Yeah, I, I don't hate that price either. I don't, I don't hate a 23 and a half. I, I don't know if. I wouldn't say that Marishan is as good as Zhang on a quick hard court, especially if Zhang had any boost from his home crowd. But I don't think his serve is significantly worse, that first serve anyway. And it's the same player. It's not like he's going up against a better returner. It's the same poor returning hurt catch. I don't, I don't hate the look of an over here. Okay. Big matchup between Americans. Sebastian Corda on one side. Ben Shelton on the other. This is basically a pick. Corda creeping up to a slight favorite at minus 115 on Bet Online, minus 105 on Bovada. It is still um, 
at pick minus 110 each side. So make sure you do your line shopping here. Uh, Corda, we mentioned on the preview show, uh, could game up against Medvedev, get that buy-in win that he typically does, uh, and then turns around and plays poorly, although he did get out a win versus a straight set win against Sarundalo. A lot of people liked Sarundalo to get a set in that one. Corda wins a, a second set breaker, 8-6, to dash those hopes. Ben Shelton gets the biggest win of his career, I would say, against Yannick Sinner. In, uh, in, a, in a fashion that typically does not happen for Ben Shelton, which is uh, coming back from a set down in a, in a three-set fashion. And that was a, a, a real problem for him after his splash at the Australian Open. He seems to have righted a lot of issues uh, that plagued him, but I think the biggest thing of all is he, he's just a really good hardcore player. Um, totals at 23 and a half here. What have you seen from these two here, John? I mean, call me crazy. I almost think that Ben Shelton would be better off if this matchup was played in like Indian Wells, right? And I know that Ben likes quicker courts. He prefers quicker courts, but he's not the greatest returner and Corda doesn't have the greatest serve. If this was played on a slower court, I still think Ben has the athleticism to play in the longer rallies. I think he has the booming serve and booming forehand to hit through pretty much any conditions. And like outside the clay is the bounce and the comfort and the movement and the sliding more so than than the actual speed of the court. You know what I mean? That 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 holds him back. So when you take this and put it on a really quick court, as much as Ben likes quick courts, we saw it in Australia. We're seeing it so far in Shanghai. It kind of helps emphasize or, or it helps Corda's one weakness play up. And it's that weakness that Ben really needs to stay weak, right? For him to, to be able to get into return games. It's it's actually a really good matchup for Ben. Should the courts allow him to find more opportunities on return? I just don't know if these courts will afford that. And if I'm talking about solidity from the baseline, I like Corda more. Corda's backhand is rock solid, and that's where Ben's going to be, you know, that negates kind of that lefty advantage with the booming power that Ben has on the serve and um, forehand cross court. I don't think it negates it totally. I think he's always going to have an advantage there against any righty, even ones with very good backhands, just because it, the power is so overwhelming at times. But for me, I, I think the the big thing that I like, the, the, the little factor I like most about Corda here is these courts still play medium to medium fast. Let's not get it wrong. Uh, forget the Daniil Medvedev talk. Forget people latching on to that because they're lazy. This is not a medium, slower, slow, hard court. Okay, period. If you've watched it, ask anyone who's been covering it. Ask anyone who's watched more than five or 10 minutes of highlights. It's not slow. So if, if Corda's serve is going to play up even a little bit, that's going to harm, that's really hurt Ben's chances of finding that break. Corda steadier will commit, should commit fewer unforced errors, has the better backhand. I think for me, all around at the baseline, I do like his game better. I think Ben's got the, the raw power, but outside of that, in terms of point construction, stability, um, the ability to, to kind of generate angles, I like Corda in all those respects a bit more. And when his weakness is masked a little bit by the court speed, I'm on board with Corda here, and I'm not someone who bets a lot of Corda matches. Uh, just because, I, for me, whenever I see a matchup, I, I really like. I don't really ever love him in a matchup, and I don't hate him in a matchup. He's overvalued by the market, so even when he's a dog, I don't find him that enticing. It's just not someone I bet on very often, whether for or against. 
right? In this spot, though, this particular matchup on these courts, I, I think he's got a, a real good shot here. And I have him as a favorite. My numbers have him in that minus 125 to minus 130 range. You can get a minus 104 at Pinnacle. So that's a pretty big gap uh, between where I am and where market is here. So I'm probably going to be uh, on Sebastian Corda uh, in Shanghai. Both guys have had it rolled on serve. No one, uh, or bo- both guys have uh, been 60% higher landing their first serves coming into this match. Corda. Uh, I mean, you can talk about Medvedev being unhappy and maybe there was like some mental things going on uh, in that matchup. But man, in that matchup against Medvedev, uh, 76, 72% of his first serve points won, 76 of his second serves won, 13 of 17. The guy seems to be clicking on all cylinders uh, with his service game. Uh, and if he's going to be one for one with Shelton on service game, certainly the baseline uh, is going to lean towards Corda. Although I will say clutchness and coaching definitely on the Shelton side. Uh, so interesting matchup huh. there. Who's uh, is Sebastian Corda's coach's dad as well? <laughs> Who is I just, coach? I just know that Ben, I, you don't hear a ton of uh, his team affecting matches while Shelton's certainly. Wow. Well, that's, that's immediate. That could be immediate creation too, though. Cause Ben's is his dad and his dad was a pro. I mean, Corda's dad was also a pro tennis player. And his coach is Radek Stepanek, who is a very was a very very like tricky kind of well, how would I describe it? Almost like a Manorino, right-handed Manorino, if you will. Like just really really tough to beat from the baseline, tactical, a um, lot of variety, good mix, and he also he also like smile in your face when um, you know he hit a nice shot and he knows make it under your skin. Radek Stepanek is is probably a guy that I would like to have as a coach as well, just tennis mind-wise. So I don't know if the coaching is overwhelmingly on Shelton's side. I just think we hear about it a lot more. That's fair. Uh, I'm going to start with you uh, and fade Mr. Dialed in, Ben Shelton. All right. Uh, we now, we'll, have... now we'll just land 80% of his first serves and we're we're going to be done. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I like I said, Ben is definitely more clutch. Um, I mean, to me, mm-hmm. like... That's a, a big edge. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but certainly, the, the, I mean, yeah, cer- certainly lean quarter from the baseline, though. All right. Andre Rublev, Hugo Umber are playing once again. They played last week in Beijing. Umber got the best of uh, that matchup. Now he is a plus 183 dog. He's minus 213. Rublev is minus 213 on the money line. The spread is three. Total to 22 and a half here. Rublev lost last week, but he's typically won this head-to-head. He's one, two, three. He's three. He's three and two. So not that lopsided. It's been competitive between these two. Umber got, I mean, a walkover win versus our guy Wolf who uh, had done his job. We talked about a rollover with him, and he had three wins in a row, so he cashed some tickets for us, uh, but was not meant to be. 20, 26% second serve points won for Wolf in that matchup. Holy Bajoli. Wolfie, man. What were you doing? Uh, pretty impressive win for Rublev today versus Tommy Paul, who have been playing uh, some decent tennis again this week. Rublev just super consistent. 
finds a way to get the break back in the first set. 27 winners, four unforced, four unforced errors in this match against Tommy Paul. Uh, a clean Rublev, I think, gets his revenge in this matchup. Uh, but we also talked about uh, having some some Umber quarters and outright. So another hedge situation. What do you think about this one, John? Oh, I hate the fact that I I think it's it's priced close to accurately. I don't see I don't see any value in like minus two hundred five here on Rublev to back him. I do have a, an eleven to one quarter ticket that cashes if. Umber wins this match. And then I have a 125 to 1 at Unibet, closed 80 to 1. The market, I think, closed in general 80 to 1, which I still think was a, re- a really bad number. I would have bet that as well. I wouldn't have bet it for um, as much as I did the, the 125 to 1. Um, but the 80 to 1 would have been nice too. Look, I just, it was, if someone could take Carlos out on a quick court, that is, with, with his quarter being so open and him being better than Sitsi Pass on a quick court, which also proved to be true. That looks really strong, and it just Rublev's. I really wanted to see Rublev and Alcaraz gone. I, I had confidence he could take Sitsi Pass out himself, and then it was not smooth sailing, but a really nice path for an eighty to one, right? All things considered, or a hundred and twenty-five to one, regardless of what number you got. And now he's got to play Rublev. And I'm a little nervous, but man, we got Medvedev out, we got Al- Alcaraz out. I mean, oh. If he cashes this ticket, I don't even know if I'll consider hedging that final, just because I'll have cashed beautifully on um, my quarter outright and then we're just we're almost free rolling that that 125 and god would i love to have that 125 come in in the final um should he get there because i think he can i think he can hurt that dimitrov one-handed backhand i don't think the dimitrov one-handed backhand is as weak as others but uh i'm dimitrov may not be there but if he is i honestly think if umar can get past rublev he could win this whole damn thing man Agreed. I wonder if I see some some steam come in uh, on Rublev. Like, if I can get Rublev down to like minus one eighty, minus one seventy. Now, uh, that seems like a lot. Uh, but I think P- Boom Bear is going to be a popular dog here. Uh, so if you like the open side, if you like the Boom Bear side, you we want we want to snatch that right now because it's plus one eighty three. I think that's going to get closer to plus one fifty uh, by first serve. Um. I kind of like the over 22 and a, over 22 and a half here in this matchup. I, I like the over today in the, the Paul uh, Rublev match, a uh, very competitive match. I think we'll get some competitiveness here. You don't need uh, two. You don't need three sets to get there. It was a seven, five, seven, five match with Paul. I think we can get like a tie break here. Six, four. I foresee a, a potential for a lot of holds up, a lot of holds in this match with the neutral 22 and a half or just the each trade sets. I mean, it should be competitive. So you have a couple ways to get there uh, for a neutral uh, 22 and a half. Uh, all right. Round of the finish here. I only have a few minutes left. Nico Hari, Nico Jari plus three plus 200 on the money line versus Grigor Dimitrov. Total is at 23 here. Jari actually has a 2-0 head-to-head against this guy. One of the win, both on clay, but one was in altitude uh, earlier this year in Geneva. 7-6-6-1 against Dimitrov. Jari also won in 2019 in Barcelona. Slower courts there. Dimitrov 
has been maybe the best ROI player of this entire year. Not, <laughs> I don't think he has a like. I wouldn't even call that loss that lost to Jari uh, a bad loss. I don't think he has a truly bad loss this year. Maybe to Kubler, which he retired at Indian Wells, but uh, he's crushed dust balls, which. I don't think Jari currently is a dust ball. So, uh, man, Jari, he dropped the set against Schwartzman. Schwartzman kind of stole that set, but he gets the cover, gets the win. His serve is really going to carry him this match. Just another one. 23 total here. Kind of light. What do you think, John? I like the way it's priced. Honestly, I think that Dimitrov should be an overwhelming favorite. And I, I don't say that very often. Again, on quick courts where things should be tighter with good servers, it's it's hard to get me to a spot where I think um, a guy should be an overwhelming favorite. But I think it's actually that, that distortion that you don't normally get only three games at plus 200 in men's tennis. But I think it's actually, again, spot on. I mean... Dimitrov's probably a break on hard courts, on quick hard courts especially. He's, is he a break better than Jari? Yes. Uh, is he v- far more likely to win the match outright than Nico? Absolutely. I mean, he's got better foot speed. He's the better mover. He's more natural on hard courts. For me, he's got the better backhand. And his serve is not, I think everyone looks at, at, at you know, the Chilean here and says, what a huge serve. But I mean, Grigor's got a big serve in his own right. And he doesn't always get, you know, the most credit for it. I don't think he's that far behind in that department. I think his forehand is much better on a hard court, much more well-suited to a hard court. And his timing is, this is the important part. He's much more used to the timing of a fast hard court than, than uh, Hari is or Jari, whatever. To me, this is priced properly. I have no play on this, no interest to get involved. Um, and frankly, I guess I'll just root for for Nico just because if Umber does beat Rublev, I'd rather Umber take on uh, Jari in that semifinal than, than Dimitrov. But that's the only rooting interest I have in this one. Uh, for me, this is another one I want to watch the the movement on it. Plus two hundred, I'm not that interested, but uh, it, it creeps up to plus two twenty, plus two thirty. Uh, I don't know. I could get interested with Jari. I mean, Dimitrov off maybe his biggest win in years. Potential letdown. That would be my only. This is like the price increasing. Uh, with the potential for a letdown off a huge win. Uh, but I, I certainly uh, am not someone who wants to bet against Dimitrov anymore this year. Something to consider, though, when we do a, a season preview, uh, maybe we talk a little fading Dimitrov in 2024. Because, uh, I mean, can he keep it rolling? That's a big question mark. So, uh, all right, John. Quick and easy quarterfinal episode. Follow John at Jared Tweets Tennis at Tibbetts Tennis. Follow us at MP9 Tennis. Do like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, see you in the court.